Welcome to High on Plants and Stoked on Science. My name is Ivan, aka Dr. Ivan Castleman. And I'm Alex the Chemist. Welcome to our podcast where we talk about science, plants that get us high, and a little bit of everything else in our world. Every week, we sit down and talk about what's been going on in the world of cannabis and psychedelics. And put our own unique spin on current events, and our opinion of course, because the world needs more opinions and we think ours are pretty, pretty, pretty good. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Now let's get into what we're talking about today. Thank you for joining us. Today we're going to be delving into psychedelics. Psychedelics, yeah, we're going to do a full episode on everything about psychedelics. Yeah, because cannabis is out. Cannabis is out. Psychedelics, you're in. Yeah, it's the new the new green rush, but yeah. are we calling it? It's, it's, it's my new favorite illicit market. Yes. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, cannabis used to be cool and illicit. Now that's it's right. like all legalized it's, and... You know, now the normies are in it. Yeah, it's it's done. Yeah, yeah. no, no. Let's, yeah. uh, you know, fuck this. Let's go into psychedelics. <laughs> agreed, agreed. And we've seen a lot of movement, um, especially at the beginning of this year. But I think that we really started to see a groundswell a little bit last year. Some really, uh, like, big deals and some interesting projects going on. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm, say, I'm, I'm saying it now that 2020 is going to be the year of the the psychedelic company that's right the psychedelic revolution yeah well it's funny because there's been kind of like um the last few years there's been like little tiny perturbations you know some perturbations yeah there's there's a very bougie word (laughs) (laughs) um but like you'd have people showing up to conferences like microdosing on either um uh, uh psilocybin mushrooms or like a little bit of lsd um you know there there have been some pretty um uh, notorious parties uh, may or may not have been sponsored by CCI, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the couple of them. But yeah, like, drop. There, yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple of, of parties that, you know, people would be talking about this. But this past year, like 2019 and 2020 are now, I think, when companies are starting to be like formed. Yep. Uh, you're starting to get that initial rush. Kind of reminds me of like 2014, 2015 yeah. in the cannabis industry. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. When everyone started to see the writing on the walls and, and that's when the first movers started started to uh, to move. Yeah. Because that's what first movers do. Yeah. Um, as far as, I mean, my perspective is a lot different because I've been having this conversation for a very, very long time. I started, you know, I've been you know, utilizing psychedelics for a very long time, including microdosing for about the last decade or so. And I've done a lot of research and study uh, two master's degrees and a phd like in and and just being part of the you know that research community and that information community for so long so now that we're seeing all of this you know infer, uh, information and interest and groundswell it's really exciting because psychic you know I, I love cannabis and i i mean alex and i both have, have had some really good opportunities in cannabis and you know we're Cannabis still gets us. Mm-hmm. Cannabis isn't going to be rid of us. Yeah. But super exciting to yeah. get into what the potential is and where we can go with psychedelics as well. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too because even my own journey in the cannabis industry, um, I've been in for about five years. And about, I guess, like around year two or three is when I started getting into psychedelics myself um, as an adjunct to help with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd researched a bit that psilocybin mushrooms were helpful with uh, anxiety and depression. Yep. And, uh, you know, I tried it for myself and I found a lot of really great benefits. And, you know, even more powerful than the benefits I was getting to treat the symptoms um, using cannabis. Yep. So... Um, I, I was kind of thinking about my eventual goal is to go to space, yes. you know, and, and, you know, I kind of see like stepping stones Imagine tripping in space. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Like you talk about like space wait. weed. How about, yeah. you know, space mushrooms yeah. or space LSD. <laughs> yeah. Space LSD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I kind of thought that cannabis would be a great industry to get into, um, yeah. build that contact network, understand how an industry is developed. Um, how an industry uh, uh, works and yeah. you can leverage those relationships. Well, and what, look, what it looks like on the cutting edge. Yeah. Because that's, you know, space and psychedelics and, and cannabis. And I'm sure next year we'll be talking about some new technology. And it's, it's the cutting edge and that's where you've, like, that's where you've got to exist to, to do what, the kind of things we want to do. Yeah. yeah. I've always fancied myself a 21st century man. Oh, and yeah. Yeah. these are all 21st century industries if you really think about it. Yes. I mean, they may have roots within the 20th century, but really when they come out and flourish and where the regulation change is, is this century. Yeah. 
Um, so, I, and I think that's that's kind of where my interest lies. Cannabis, you know, for personal reasons, psychedelics again for personal reasons. But um, you know, I kind of see the relationships and the capital and the wealth that's being built from cannabis is going to be put into psych- psychedelics. That's going to mature, and then I think you're going to see a lot of people jumping into the space tech industry. Yeah. Once SpaceX and Blue Origin and Rocket Labs and ULA and you know all these other space nerd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I met, yeah. You look at my YouTube playlist; it's like you know drugs and space. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to have a, an episode about space one day. Yeah, that will yeah. be yeah one day. <laughs> but today you know, we're talking about psychedelics. Yeah, high, you know high high on space. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Today, yeah, but today we're talking about psychedelics, and uh, you know it, it is interesting to see this industry kind of growing in this nascent state. You're starting to see people like. Um, you know, Bruce Linton exiting the cannabis industry and starting to go all into uh, the psychedelic space. Yeah. And you start to hear stories um, of these uh, CEOs and C-suite, um, C-level people uh, at conferences and they're starting to talk about, you know, yeah. their, their next game or their game plan getting in. Absolutely. What I'm really interested in is that now that we've had some experience in in the cannabis industry, you know, granted it's fa- still fairly new, but we've learned a lot of lessons and we there's a there's a, a sort of a pattern trajectory that we saw from the very beginning of say the medical industry in Canada all the way through to now. What I'm I'm really interested in is that we're now going to be able to leverage what we've learned in the cannabis industry and hopefully our transition throughout the psychedelic regulations and you know as it comes into the fore as a medicine and then possibly a recreational use we're going to be able to to use the models that we've de- developed in the cannabis industry to you know make that a better transition uh, the one of the problems that i saw in the cannabis industry is that there wasn't really another situation in you know our business realm or our business history in the world that was even close to the cannabis industry. Like no other industry in the world was had this huge underground, was totally, you know, locked down and illegal, and then all of a sudden one day said somebody says, Okay, now it's legal, off mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Like there's no other but with psychedelics, at least we'll be able to, you know, have a hopefully have an easier go of it all. Yeah, yeah, understanding how an illicit industry transitions into the legal market. Yeah. Um, cannabis is an amazing blueprint for success yes. um, for that. And probably probably a good thing to start with because for, for several reasons, uh, the complexity of, of cannabis is actually a lot higher than the majority of psychedelics because you know, things like mushrooms are very easy to grow and very quick to grow and they're very low tech. Um, and a lot of the other, you know, substances like LSD and MDMA are they're they're made in the lab, so you actually don't you don't need very much space or technology, or whatever. It's very, you know very very easy to do. Whereas cannabis, it's a it's a big process to grow, and then you know it's multifaceted. You need you know growing conditions, you need genetics, and you need all this stuff. And you've got you can't just grow one uniform crop. Really, you need you need to have several types and then you've got to process it into something dried flour or you know concentrates or something to get it to the public so you know supply chain is difficult and everything like that whereas psychedelics is I think is going to be a little bit easier smoother yeah. ride yeah yeah for sure I mean it, it is interesting when you have an agricultural industry um, you know that has uh, it, some illicit aspect to it like cannabis with THC it's like I, I always wonder it's like Okay, well, you know, there's there's underground grow ops for cannabis, but why isn't there underground grow ops for say, you know, coca leaves or opium poppies? Yeah. And and like yeah, like why isn't there that? And, and I think it comes down to you know the economics. You need yeah. just a, a lot of space to to grow these other plants. Cannabis, fortunately, has t- you know twenty percent weight by weight of the flower is yeah, it's very high weight. Yeah, of of the active compound that yeah, yeah. That, that they're trying to get. You know, similarly, as you said, the psychedelics, they, they have that added advantage where you only need a small amount of these active compounds. Yeah. They're fairly easy to grow, mostly just need to worry about sterilization yeah. in, in the case of uh, growing the, those mushrooms. Yeah. And you can then take those mushrooms, extract the psilocybin and reduce your weight and, yeah. you know, increase your potency, you know, by several factors. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one gram of LSD is like 100,000 hits. Yes. So 
carrying around a hundred thousand hits you could do in you know in that little annoying small pocket in your jeans that, that you can only really ever use for lighters so it's like that uh have you seen slc punk no yeah it was a great movie like called classic from like the late 90s and uh there's this one character who was a drug dealer and he had uh like about 100 hits of acid in his pocket he's running away from the cops he didn't have in a plastic bag and he ran through like sweat split, oh. uh, sprinklers oh no and uh you know they they, they kind of like leaned into the <laughs> yeah <laughs> into the whole you know it, it'll absorb through your skin yep and uh yeah the, the, the character his mind was just like fried afterwards and uh yeah, you know yeah, he yeah. was like terrorizing people afterwards it was a great it was, it was really funny but yeah you're right you'll need a small amount but yeah the uh you know you got to watch out because you know you could have that that's very true well the very first lsg trip ever was a uh, was that because hoffman um absorbed some from his bench because mm-hmm. back in the day i guess they didn't wear gloves but, yeah but he absorbed such a small amount that he, like most chemists would have just been like well just a small amount like no big deal but mm-hmm. then you know ended up probably taking a factor of 10 or 15 of a higher dose than he should have and went on the very first um, acid trip ever. Yeah, bicycle day. Wasn't that on uh, April 19th or was it April 20th? It wasn't April 20th. I think it was like... Yeah, I forget. I don't know when bicycle day is. It's in the spring, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. I I, I was always like... I'm pretty sure it's... Yeah, April 19th. April 19th. Yeah. That's pretty cool because like... So like 420. Yeah. April 20th. So... LSD day, yeah, and then weed day, yeah. Some somebody look up like mushrooms. Like, is there oh, some that's, significant that's day? That's nine twenty. That's nine twenty. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that nine twenty is the 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 four twenty equivalent that they're going for. Okay. Because that's uh, September twentieth, right? So that's kind of like it's in the fall mm-hmm. it's when in in the wild or whatever they they would be harvested and stuff. So right. I think that's why they're going for nine twenty. Yeah. But yeah, so it's four twenty for weed, nine twenty for psychedelics. I don't know if it's just for mushrooms, though. I think it's just for mushrooms, 920. Yeah, every every illicit market or drug needs their the number. Day. Yeah. Like, they need a number. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, lo- I loved it with, like, 420, and then, you know, 710 is supposed to be, like, oils for uh, for dabbing or for concentrates. What? Yeah, and then, and then, and then somebody um, was uh, making, that. you know, uh, 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 210, like, half, when you can't make it to 420. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually that's actually a pretty good idea. It's it's pretty, like it's pretty a, funny, yeah. Like yeah. A, a halfway to four twenty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good try. Yeah, good try. Yeah. Good try. But this year it's four twenty all month long. That's right. Four twenty twenty twenty. Yeah. So four twenty on four twenty in twenty twenty. That's right. <laughs> That'll be the day. Absolutely. Yeah. But okay. uh, yeah, with, with <laughs> Yeah, we said yeah, we said we were talking about cannabis, but yeah, you know. <laughs> we're still talking about cannabis. Yeah. So. But um, yeah, no. With 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 psychedelics, uh, it, it is interest, inter- interesting, like how the um, the legalization of, of cannabis, we can use that for a blueprint of success. You know, um, go through charter challenges. Like this is a medicine that, that yeah. has yeah. You know now That's, now starting to have psychedelic sorry uh, scientific um, evidence yeah. in, in, in peer reviewed journals, mm-hmm. um, clinical trials yeah. uh, showing that that there's long-lasting benefits for anxiety and depression. Yeah. Well, and among other things too, like, yeah. but I mean, I think that anxiety and depression really have a strong message because we don't have effective pharmaceuticals that treat those, those conditions well. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know if the, it's just the conversation that's becoming a little bit more public or if it's that we live in a society that's, a bit more fucked up and we have a little bit more anxiety and depression maybe a little bit of both but the it seems now that you know there's a lot more people with those anxiety with with that depression mm-hmm. you know seeking you know ways to manage it but maybe not with a heavy pharmaceutical yeah 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 I, I, as someone who's tried many different ssris snris um, anti-anxiety medication add medication of all different stripes um, nothing has helped me and benefited me more than natural plant and fungi based medicines. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a, it's, it's quite remarkable because so much, so much money goes into making these SSRIs that will fuck up some people. Like I have friends who were normal, very successful, highly intelligent people. And then they've tried SSRIs mostly under duress of, uh, uh, a, uh, a marriage breaking down. Yeah. So they reluctantly tried it, and this is what 
put them over the edge. And yeah. this yeah. was somebody who was top of the industry, was being flown around the world, highly respected, and his whole life came apart because some 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 switch was flipped in his brain and yeah. he became completely unhinged even after coming off of the SSRIs. Yeah. And that's not to say that there there isn't a use case and there aren't some people that benefit greatly. Not not taking away from that, but there are other options. Yeah. And now we're starting to see that. Yeah. Well, and I think especially with the pharmaceutical uh, drugs like SSRIs and, and whatnot, a lot of it has to do with making sure the balance and the dosage is correct. And the... Yeah, the people that I know that have gone on and off those types of things, it's a very delicate balance to get it just right. Mm -hmm. You know, because maybe if you haven't had enough sleep, you need you know a little bit more, or if you're you need less if you've got a cold, or I don't I don't know. Like, there's a whole bunch of very yeah minute factors that you have to that always have to be taken into play just to make sure that you get the right dose. And this friend also got his genes tested and found out that one of the genes that he has has been implicated in having an eight times increased likelihood of having a psychosis from using SSRIs. And he didn't know this until afterward. Yeah. Um, like this was more exploratory than, oh, look, actually you do have genes that... Yeah. Um, Whoops. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, uh, you think a, you'd do that test... Be, yeah, like a, like a psychiatrist or psych- should be yeah. doing that test automatically before... CAMH has a uh, impact test where they look at 12 genes some receptors, some enzymes, and they look at um, the and different components within the metabolic pathways to see what variants you have because maybe you metabolize a, a drug very quickly, so yep. you'll become very manic, but then very depressed afterwards right. because it's not in your system. So they might have yep. to give you a different treatment. Interesting. Yeah, yep. but that's that's not available to the wider public, unfortunately. Yep. And I think it should be started a, a standard health health yep. practice. Agreed. Yeah, especially with the rise of at least the awareness of of um, mental health issues and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I mean that that actually um, segues into another because uh, we were just we were talking about Canada's pathway to legalization is really gonna I, I assume anyways it's gonna follow the same pathway that cannabis did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's our constitutional right in Canada to identify medicines that work for us and use them. Yeah, and that's why you know back in the day it was cancer patients and AIDS patients and various, you know, serious people with very serious ailments, possibly in the end of their life that, that really got that cannabis, um, conversation going like, and, you know, just people telling the government again and again and again, this works, this makes it better. This works, this makes it better. I hope now that we've been through that sort of ringer once that the government will be able to learn from their lessons and say, okay, well, you know, let's not you know, belabor the point, let's gather up all the evidence and we'll make, we'll just make it okay for medical use. Yeah. We'll create some licenses for it and the path forward is smooth. Yeah. Now, they're politicians, so I'm not holding my breath on that. Uh, one of the interesting things too is that because it's a constitutional right, because technically there's already a precedent with cannabis, uh, we, we wouldn't actually have to bring a patient to court we can actually do like in Canada there's a mechanism where you can I'm saying we I will not be anywhere near this whole, <laughs> the royal we the, this, this is the royal we yeah yeah I'm much too politicized for my my taste but uh, there's a mechanism by which you can challenge or change a, a part of the constitution simply by you know bringing a brief to the supreme court yeah yeah not being a lawyer I'm pretty sure I, I haven't explained that precise but you know there's a there's mechanisms in place and i think you know really the next step is for you know all of the this we've got this huge list of canadian um psychedelic companies Mm -hmm. like really all of them just need to take a few dollars each put it into a big pool and say constitutional challenge yeah because once that's done we're golden well yeah and you know we're there, there is there is a model of success from cannabis that can be translated in, into the psychedelic industry. And I've had conversations with high-powered lawyers within the cannabis industry um, who have been involved in charter challenges, successful charter challenges. And uh, like we had a, a really great conversation where like he was breaking down um, the strategy and like how he would approach it. And based on this and based on that, like, you know, it's almost like seeing a conductor put it, like, draw, yeah. draw out a symphony in front of you 
and, and how all the timing is going to work and yeah. what based on uh, legal precedent. So it was fascinating to hear that, that there's all, like, they're already licking their lips, ready, ready to take on the government yep. in, in this fight. Yep. And they're emboldened by the cannabis success. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, technically it's a precedent, right? Mm-hmm. So they can say, well, you did it with cannabis. Why not this? Yeah. You know, there's as much, as much and probably more good medical evidence for the use of psychedelics, especially for things like PTSD and anxiety and, and that sort of realm that then there, there, there wasn't that amount and quality of research back in the late 90s when we were doing the cannabis thing mm-hmm. because there had been a sort of a government moratorium on it. But at least in the last decade, psychedelic research has been allowed to go forward. And, and we, MAPS primarily has, has, has to be given credit for that because that whole organization has really driven the conversation and normalized the research side of psychedelic so uh yeah i mean obviously maps is not the only organization that's doing it but they they def- they've definitely uh been loud yeah and yeah and and been a predominant part of that conversation yeah they've always kind of been in in the ethereal background yeah like yeah. just kind of there but you don't always see them yeah 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 it, it, it is it is interesting to see like um you know Cannabis really did kind of show us how an industry is built, like especially an illicit industry, building it from yeah. the ground up and transferring it in. Yeah, so you transfer it from the illicit to the, the, the illegal to the legal market and basically then and also build it from the ground up because all the stuff in the black market, which I didn't actually totally agree with, is kind of everything in the black market with cannabis was kind of just thrown to the side mm-hmm. and we had to do it all over again, brand new with. And so... Yeah, so there's a, there's tons of moving parts and things that have to be done, but yeah, but yeah. by and large, you know, Canada and we've talked about this a few times. You know, Canada's done is doing a reasonably good job at getting getting it done. Yeah, and and like when when we have when we have a, a new industry being built, like you're going to need uh, testing, so you're going to have to have like analytical companies. Um, you know, yeah, you're so, rubbing your hands together about that one. Yeah, you? yeah, for sure. Uh, Alex's analytical lab. Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, uh, discovery and, and yeah. characterization. Yeah. Um, but you're also going to need suppliers. Uh, so you're going to need companies that either grow grow psilocybin mushrooms or synthesize mushrooms. Um, you're going to have uh, clinical studies, and you're going to have doctors. You're going to have yeah. clinics that are going to be you know popping up that are, whose express purpose is to help patients get the uh, psychedelic medicines that they need for their treatments. Um, You're going to see advocacy groups starting to pop up. We're starting to see that now. Lobbying. Um, You're going to have medical appeals. And, you know, slowly, bit by bit, we're we're going to uh, legitimize different parts of of the psychedelic industry. It's going to start to grow. One of the things that wasn't on your list is the capital markets. Yes, capital markets as well. That's right. Yeah, because I think that's something that's going to be... uh that that's going to be big because the capital markets were a big part of developing the cannabis industry because without money it's hard to develop things Mm -hmm. yeah yeah where there's money that's where growth is that's right yeah yeah and yeah and you have a lot of trained talented people from the you know in regulatory affairs from the cannabis industry who are currently jumping into the psychedelic space so before the, the cannabis industry i knew very little about how to even read a piece of legislation. Yeah. The different sections, the language, the vocabulary, yeah. you know, how you're supposed to read. Like when, as a scientist, when you and I read a paper, or pick up a paper, we know the context, we know yeah. how to read and interpret. Yeah. When you I know which sections to read first and how yeah. to get an idea of the paper and yeah. what you can skip, what yeah. you need to focus on. And I didn't have that talent or skill before I came into the cannabis industry. The cannabis industry forced me to read legislation. Yeah, how many regulations sets of regulations and legislation have we read? Like, yeah, applications, yeah. the whole yeah. process, interacting with Health Canada. This is now a skill set that I have, yeah. and that you have, and other people in this industry have. So now we have a talent that we can then apply to the psychedelic yeah. industry. And the interesting thing about that too is that a lot. I mean, there's still companies that are doing licensing and everything like that, but a large portion of companies have kind of gone through that that licensing um, cycle. And so these people with all this talent are needing their next job or their next, mm-hmm. you know, challenge yeah. or whatever, right? So And, you know, with, with um, 
some C-suite people losing their, their jobs or, you know, quote, retiring. Yep. Um, and you have other people who have other downsizing. They've lost opportunities. So they're looking for their next thing. And particularly if they're not, like, if they're not hard-pressed for, you know, the living paycheck to paycheck, yep. they might have a little bit of time and strategize where they might go next. And most of the people that have lost their jobs I've seen are either going international mm-hmm. in the cannabis industry. Yep. That's one of the things I've chosen to do. Um, or they're looking at the cannabis industry, or sorry, the psychedelic industry, yep. And, yep. and how they can contribute to this. Yeah, and I yeah, I've, like the international play is is amazing. I've done a little bit of that as well, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to the psychedelic thing because we're actually look, looking at a list of companies, and in Vancouver alone, there's five or six companies that are um, you know that are poised and ready to you know um, get onto the capital markets and you know IPO and all that kind of stuff. So it'll be really interesting to see. Yeah. Um, so yeah, with, with, you know, we have a, a you know, a, a blueprint for success and how to create an industry 101 from cannabis. You have how to build like a model of an industry, like the different yeah. sectors that you need to focus in on, um, train talent in regulatory affairs, looking for their next gig and, you know, and, and psychedelics are a natural segue for people who are in natural product industries. Yeah. So like if, if you are even form- more so than cannabis, yeah. yeah. Like if you're a formulator or you're in, in the, um, the business of, uh, analytical testing yeah. of, of different natural health products, this is a natural space to jump into or yeah. to configure your business model. Yeah. And I, what I really see the psychedelics where I, I see psych- psychedelics going or, you know, what I would envision as a ideal world is that the way that we do you know, herbal psychedelics like mushrooms or, or, or whatnot are available as like through your health food store. I mean, obviously you go to your health food store, you're not going to get, you know, you know, hundreds of milligrams of, of psilocybin or whatever, and you're not going to be able to like go tripping in the woods for four days. You'll get a therapeutic dose, a small amount, you know, age gated, you know, metered and, and very well formulated and tested and, you know, all the quality control done and stuff like that. And maybe not just psychedelics. Maybe you have a formulation with, you know, uh, lion's mane mushroom or turmeric or whatever else. Mm-hmm. So, and, and so I think the natural products industry is a real, like, and yeah, more so than cannabis because cannabis got sep- basically separated from everything, right? So, mm-hmm. Whereas I, I'm hoping that the lessons we've learned by separating cannabis from everything and, and you know, totally having it separate from, from a, a regular you know, free market economy, that maybe that psychedelics won't go that route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, with LSD and stuff, what I, would, what I envision the future as is that maybe you've got to, uh, you've got to get you know, a, a sc- some sort of screening, psychological screening or whatever, and once you've, you've done your screening, then you get your, you know, your, your card to do psychedelics or whatever. And then I can go to the pharmacy and, you know, I can get a couple, you know, hundred milligrams of LSD or I can get some psilocybin or mescaline or whatever. Or get, get, get some kind of doctor's prescription for that. Yeah. 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 I mean, doctor, I, I'm, I'm thinking more of the recreational. Oh, once, you yeah. know, legislation comes down. Yeah. Or maybe I go into a specific sh- like dispensary mm-hmm. um, that dispenses psychedelics. Well, that's another point too. I mean, you have um, people like uh, Dana Larson and doing it again. And, and, you yeah. know, and, and under another uh, uh, frontier pioneers. Yeah. yeah. Um, of illicit markets. You know, uh, uh, coming out like I think it was summer of last of uh, twenty eighteen, where he said, you know, cannabis is boring. I'm going to open up like a psychedelics yeah. dispensary. And lo and behold. Yeah. And yeah. lo and behold, you know, he. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that it's a, like a mushroom only yeah, dispensary at the moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it is just microdosing. But I'd that. love to go into a shop that, oh, like, you'll have two hits of LSD, <laughs> one of mescaline, and a little bit of DMT. Please. Yeah. <laughs> one of those yeah. v- uh, DMT vape carts you yeah, have back there. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Trademark that, patent pending. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, the, the psychedelics industry, I think, is going to be, you know, really big yeah. and and uh well there's a lot of attention um you know that's not to say that everyone's going to be successful i yeah. think there's going to be i think it's failures uh, yeah you know it, it, it you know everybody talks it and like you know we're doing it right now where we're talking it up how it's going to be this next big thing yeah rainbow balloons and confetti yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but no, there's going to be it's, challenges. And it's the same chat that we had when the, the, the psychedelic, or sorry, the, the cannabis industry was up and running as well. And, you know, it was, it is good. And there is interesting things happening and we're, all, we're definitely going forward with it. But the rosy picture that we were painting in 2014 and 2015 isn't quite as rosy as we were painting it. Yeah. But, you know, there's always, like, you have to have expectations and you have to have a vision for the future. It's never going to turn out quite as good as you think it's going to. Yeah. But at least if you're if you're striking for your ultimate vision and you you get a little less than that then I mean you've still done really good yeah, yeah. and 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 you know there's there's going to be a um, a huge rush into the the psychedelic space like ca- capital markets there's going to be yeah cap- about there is yeah they're yeah. starting to be now but yeah. you know this this is nothing in comparison to what's coming i think you know capitalism like to sit tight and uh, psychedelics offer retail investors a, a big marketable opportunity and i almost cringe saying that because you know, there is something very sacred to a lot of these psychedelics and the profound effects that, that it has. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that trying to fight it or trying to um, characterize it as like, you know, all these capitalists getting into the psychedelic space and sneer isn't, you know, that's, that's not going to prevent it. No. Um, you're not going to stop it. No. So I think the best remedy is to get into the psychedelic space because, you know, I use psychedelics, you do. And there's other people that have been positively impacted that want to contribute to building this industry. Yeah. And I think that if you have been impacted and you do have these skills, uh, you might want to think about lending your talents to this industry because if you're not in there with your good values yeah. and your philosophy and your mindset and how you want to build a community, there's going to be some capitalist that's never tried, doesn't want to try it, but just wants to get in for the money. So, you know... I've already started to see on Twitter some people have called out like people jumping into the next yeah, industry. Actually, I but think that, um, um, I, I really do think that if you're a good person, you have good morals, ethics, values, and uh, not only you, you've benefited from psychedelics, but you want to and see the benefits for others, you should be getting into the industry and you should be getting excited for it and you should be getting that capital because guess what? There's people out there who are going to get that capital and maybe they don't have the best interest in mind for the industry. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. I feel really strongly about this as well because I've done, well, I've studied a lot, like all, all this, the study that I've done, you know, ethnobotanical study really focuses in on traditional cultures and the traditional use. That said, every substance compound whatever known to man especially on the psychedelic realm of things has been sort of discovered by the a culture that's not the traditional culture that uses it or the traditional region that grows it and has been worked into other societies and other use patterns i mean to take cannabis for example you know cannabis really sort of well they think came from you know, Kush Valley, India, that northern, you know, Himalayas, that sort of area. But it was used all over Asia, all over Europe, all over Africa, because people saw it being used, understood how it was used, put some seeds in their pocket, went home, grew the seeds, because they're like, these guys over here are, are using this thing. I think we should use it too. <laughs> Psychedelics are the same. The, I guess, the most famous lawyer and amateur mycologist R. Gordon Wasson, his article in Life, which I believe was in, it was in the mid-50s, 54, something like that. But anyways, he, um, Life did this huge big spread about his trip, his, his and his wife's trip to Mexico. And they went and they found the psychedelic mushrooms. They uh, studied with a shaman. They did some ceremonies, all that kind of stuff. And they came back and wrote about it. That article then instigated a huge exodus of of people that wanted to experience this into Mexico to find find this right so you know white pool. what's the opposite of exodus yeah <laughs> yeah influx i guess In- influx yeah. yeah yeah so uh yeah so so yeah mexico got a good influx or like a huge influx of all these people chasing the experience um salvi divinorum is is similar it's a bit more recent in uh in our history but uh, sterling Bennell uh, brought a cutting back from Mexico to UC Davis. And from that cutting, 
almost all of the salvia in in the rest of the world outside of Mexico is is from that that singular cutting. So that spread the you know the use pattern very separate from the traditional use. People figured out how to use it and how to do do or get the effects in different ways and all that kind of stuff. So there's always going to be you know the the expansion and and we're always going to be adopting use patterns from other places and adapting them from our own. Now with the capital markets and the people that are are coming into it that might not be part of the you know the psychedelic community is very small and very close knit and very wary of the outside world because the psychedelic community has always been you know, minimized and put down and marginalized because of their view that psychedelics are amazing. Now that people are coming around, it's going to be there's 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 got to be a lot of trust that builds from the psychedelic community as more and more people are interested and more and more people are thinking about it. But as a parallel to the cannabis industry, that close knit psychedelic community, that's our those are our citizen scientists. Those are our brain trust and our core knowledge. So they like we need to make sure that we're listening to those people and we're we're giving them opportunities to teach us because they're they're very important. The other point I wanted to make about that is the for the large part the psychedelic community and the use of psychedelics are spiritual, recreational, and they have a a medical sort of benefit as well but I think more people are geared towards the spiritual and I don't think that's ever going to go away I don't think we have to worry about that going away what I'm really excited about is that that money coming into the capital markets is really going to be able to allow us to develop very you know standard rigorous quality medicine that can be translated into a language that doctors can prescribe and we can start seeing the medical community because when the medical community starts to adopt these treatments it's it's going to be beneficial for everyone yeah yeah and you know with um with the markets um let's talk a little bit about the reddit article here that's um written by nikita alexandrov He's um, a bachelor of chem from, uh, uh, or he has an MBA, and he's a chief uh, technical officer of Think Myco. Um, and he created this post. Another Vancouver company. Yes, another Vancouver company. Um, he created this post uh, called 2020 Psychedelic Industry Insights Report. Um, this was written about a month ago or so. and he, he, Probably the most comprehensive and best and well-written art- article about this whole realm very comprehensive yeah Yeah. i'm I'm surprised you know with the information that's here and how well it's written and categorized that this is this is usually something you pay money for yeah um so bravo to uh nikita he's um you know he's done a very good job at uh categorizing everything and you know this we're we're not going to go through everything but we'll just do want to start with the uh, how big is the psychedelic market yeah 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 so um just reading uh, direct off the text, the psychedelic market is emerging while highly coupled to the clinical and regulatory events and is split between recreational and medical psychedelic markets. So if we, if we go back to our conversation about the trajectory of legalization in Canada, we're almost for sure going to see regulations for the medical use of psychedelics. And I, I assume that we're probably going to see medical use of individual psychedelics as we go along mm-hmm. like I don't think we're just going to get you know carte blanche you can use any psychedelics yeah. I think it'll probably start with psilocybin mm-hmm. and some more plant based ones before we kind of like yeah. I, th- I think MDMA and ketamine probably have a good head start as yeah. well true from Very the true. Um, yeah. from, from the strictly synthesized yeah. uh, chemicals yeah. but um, yeah I think out of LSD and psilocybin psilocybin certainly has a head start yes uh, well and, and it's sort of the most similar to cannabis and probably the easiest one to kind of stomach as a as a very, you know, closed off bureaucrat. Yeah. So in this report, they are, um, yeah, the medical market is estimated at $373 billion. Yeah. 
Now, it doesn't say if it's in Canadian or US funds. It doesn't say if it's the North American or the global market. But assuming it's the global market and assuming that it's probably in US funds, that's a fair chunk of change. Mm -hmm. Do you think we have the capacity to, to get up to that $373 billion? Plus. Um, Plus? Yes, only, only if it starts to um, replace current therapies like SSRIs. Yeah. Um, anti, like if you take a chunk out of the antidepressant, anti-anxiety, which and, is a huge market. Yeah. Huge. And, and also like ADD, ADHD symptoms can be helped with, uh, um, microdosing different psychedelics, yeah. um, on a certain regime. Um, I think it can hit, hit that and exceed that over the long term. Would this be like next year? Will it be the next two? No, probably no. not. But, um, yeah, I do see it getting up to that level eventually. Um, the recreational from like eight to 19 billion, you yeah, know, yeah. That's, I'm a little skeptical of that as am I, you know, cause you know, psychedelics aren't an everyday thing. No, you know, you're well for some people maybe, uh, but most people well, it's, it's like once in a while you have your experience or yeah. your microdosing cannabis is more of a daily yeah. use. And you know, a lot of societies around the world, they have this sort of mundane everyday activity and it's, it's social. So drinking is one, um, smoking, um, nicotine is one, cannabis is one South Pacific. They drink cava in Asia. They chew betel Africa. They chew cat. So all of our society, like, you know, so societies always have these, the Every, daily driver yeah, drugs. Yeah, these everyday... Coffee. Yeah, exactly. Coffee. Things to make us relax. Things to make us pep up. However, all like psychedelics are not used that way. Psychedelics are... Especially when you're taking full doses. Oh, yeah. Psychedelics are, are taken once in a while. I would say that your average, average psychedelic user maybe uses it, what, twice a year? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe three times a year. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're microdosing, you're using it more, more regularly, but you're using significantly less. Barely perceptible, yeah. if any perception at all. Yeah. Of We're talking about, you know... It feels a, like a strong coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like when I, the, what I microdose, like I, don't, I yeah, I'm never feeling any psychedelic effects. I've taken, you know, 0.3 of a gram of, of mushrooms or whatever. You feel just like a little... Little yeah, every once in a while you, enhancement. Yeah, you, oh, yeah. You, you definitely feel those, and then every once in a while you catch it just out of the orbit. Yeah, just something <laughs> out of the corner of your eye that's there. Yeah, like, like that shadow that passes, like yeah. you know, a shadow jumper in the corner of your eye. Yeah, yeah. what? Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. And then when you're comparing it to cannabis, if you average out all the uh, the 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 uses of cannabis across different countries, they, it averages out probably to somewhere around the ten percent mark. And that's, that's a good demographic to, to go after for an industry. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, uh, has the potential to, you know, generate quite a bit of money. I would estimate that of that 10% that usually smokes cannabis, only about 1% is going to be, are, are going to be psychedelic users. And then you go back to the fact that those psychedelic users are going to buy, you know, two or three experiences a year. So, or if they're microdosing, they're, you know, they're, they're only buying, you know, maybe 10 grams a, a year or mm -hmm. of, of mushrooms or, or, you know, they're not, they're not buying a lot of it. Right. So, um, how are you going to make almost $20 billion when you've got such a low? And I think that that, that 1%, you could definitely get higher by, you know, you advertise it, you create safe spaces for people to utilize this kind of stuff. You, just like cannabis, you know, we've got the education and we've got the awareness and the, the cannabis industry is growing, but not, there's, there's not crazy significant growth. There's always just going to be a, a, a section of the population that, that does that kind of stuff. So yeah. the 20 billion for the recreational, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see the math on that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and let, let's just go through like a, just I mean, a couple, name dropping? couple of the highlight name dropping. Yeah. Um, there's a number of them that are listed here. I uh, won't go through them all, but um, you, you can certainly search this up in Google. Um, 2020 Psychedelic Industry Insights Report on, um, on Reddit. On Reddit. Um, but yeah, so like a couple of them. Uh, one here is uh, Compass Pathways. Well, we should really start with um, Atia because they basically are in on Compass and... Uh, Two other ones, I think. 
Yeah, so they're they're a German-based global psychedelic pharma holding company yep. uh, formed by ultra-high net worth individuals in big pharma. So they've got $100 million plus at their disposal. Um, and I guess they have, yeah, they have a, a hold in Compass Pathways, which is a London-based psychedelic giant. Atia's bet on psych, uh, psilocybin as an improved drug for depression. They've got $50 million plus. Um, they're IPOing in 2020. Now, they're, with they, Compass, yeah. like, I, I really admire what they're, they're, they're focused on. I'm concerned because they're really going for approved approved drugs. So they're they're going the um, the exact same route as um, uh, the company that I can't think of right now. That's also based in the, the UK. The Sativex. They're going the Sativex oh, route. So yeah, yeah, it's Sativ- GW Pharmaceutical. Yeah, GW Pharmaceutical. So GW Pharmaceutical took a very similar approach. They, um, you know, they grew cannabis and then they created. A proprietary, you know, treatment system and and a proprietary mix for their for their um, their treatment system. So it looks like that the compass is going the same way. Great approach, but it's it's long and arduous. And and compass is a little bit um, controversial because they started off as a not uh, not for profit. Yeah. And it, it was supposed to be a place. From what I understand, I have to do a little bit more digging. Um, maybe there's some nuances, but from my general understanding, they said that this was going to be a not-for-profit, this information would be shared, open-sourced, and then once they got a lot of information from other people, they kind of locked down and said, yeah. okay, we're, we're actually going to be for-profit, and they took a lot of other people's um, intellectual property, trade secrets, ideas, and uh, so that's a bit controversial. Again, um, I'm speaking a little bit out of turn, uh, secondhand information, um, but uh, yeah, there is something yeah. there. But they did do a pivot from non-profit to profit, and uh, you know, Probably, you know, big picture. That was a that was a good. Pivot. Oh, they, they, they probably but, saw that there was an opportunity for sure. Yeah, with what but they had. you also have to, yeah, uh, especially when you're transitioning or or you know a first mover going from a, an illicit market into a into a legal market. You have to be really careful about making sure you're supporting the people that are helping you along the way because those people are taking a big risk. Or have been taking you know risks to get that information, and you know to profit on them, but not to support them is not good. Yeah, yeah. Some other ones are uh, Mind Medicine, Toronto-based ibogaine-derived uh, addiction drug development company, taking their lead candidate 18MC through the clinical pro- uh, approval process. Yeah, 15 million plus. They're going to RTO in 2020, and I believe Mind Medicine. That's the uh, Bruce Linton one, correct? I, I believe so. Yeah, I believe that's the one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, the same approach, right? Clinical approvals. Um, although I, I wonder what the uh, approved drug pathway, how that differs from the clinical approval. Yeah. But anyways, it's, uh, it's again, a long, arduous um, journey. Yeah. Um, I, but, you know, I guess that's the approach at the moment, right? Yeah. Field Trip Ventures, Toronto-based Aurora-backed magic mushroom research and development company building clinical and production infrastructure, raising 12 million plus. We'll, we'll see where that goes now. Yeah, this one's that. interesting because the, the, the clinic market or the clinic model was proposed several times in the cannabis realm. And it seems to work really well digitally or, or online, mm-hmm. but I have yet to see a, like a network of, a, you know, everyone claims we're going to have a network of clinics across Canada for for cannabis and i've yet to see that play out mm-hmm. you know there's some ad hoc uh clinics here and there but so i don't and i don't know what the how many people are going to be coming to psychedelic clinics yeah like we're not going to see these in you know small town bc you know no. maybe there'll be one in vancouver and one in toronto mm-hmm. you know yeah or maybe some other big cities like montreal although it's probably not going to happen in Quebec is it? <laughs> Scratch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The biker still got mushrooms down there. Yeah. Um, Think Myco is a Vancouver-based holding company developing disruptive mushroom production technology and next-generation therapeutics. They're raising five million plus, and that uh, Think Myco that is uh, Nikita Alexandrov. Yes, the he, uh, CTO of this company. Yeah, and the one that wrote the the article. article. Yeah, that's right. Um, I guess uh, Salvation. Yeah, Salvation there. is a really good one to mention. Yeah, Vancouver-based company touting a private controlled substances site license and supporting clinical research. They're raising 10 million RTOing in 2020. Salvation is interesting because they they started off as a um, they were testing um, uh, illicit market cannabis. Yep. Uh, hush hush, but it was a bit of a not so closed, very open secret. Yep. Um, then they kind of 
went uh, full on legal in the uh, analytical testing. And now they're, they're also doing some like hemp extracting and, and some stuff like that, weren't they? Like processing and stuff. Yeah, they were. And then they seem to have uh, seen the writing on the wall. Um, I believe his name is Michael Tan. He was with the BC Liquor Board. He was uh, mm-hmm. handling the cannabis file, like okay. uh, um, getting the distribution model down. Um, a couple of other things within the, the, the BC government. He then transitioned into Salvation Botanicals. And Botanicals seems to be this vehicle that is being retooled for the psychedelic space. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I've looked, looked at their, their licensing and, and whatnot, and they, they definitely have a lot of potential and we need experts in testing going forward because at the moment, all the research that's been done, well, anywhere, but in Canada, it's not standardized research. Mm -hmm. The, 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 every time you do psychedelic research, it's an ad hoc process to get you know, the correct dosage and the quality control and all that kind of stuff. But, but really, it, it then does not allow a, a realistic comparison between two different studies because of, you know, generally the, the compounds that they use in those studies are, are different or, and, and produced ad hoc. So somebody like Salvation Botanicals can really help with the standardized testing, at least, of all of those. But really what needs to happen is, you know, we need to we need to have companies that actually start formulating and creating substances for the tests. That was a bit of a rant, but anyways, <laughs> Salvation Botanicals. Yeah, they're, and and I don't think they're in Vancouver. I'm pretty sure they're in Nanaimo. Yeah, I, th- I think but, they are. But uh, yeah. they probably have a they have, probably have an office downtown. Yeah, and you know and this is an interesting thing too. Like Numinous Wellness, a Vancouver-based wellness company, build uh, building testing as well as clinical infrastructure. Partnered with Salvation, raising five million again, RTOing in twenty twenty. So you're already starting to see like companies. Yeah, um, everyone's working together. Yeah, they're yeah. they're starting to partner up uh, either through joint ventures or um, yeah uh, some kind of um, agreement between the companies. Maybe they're going to help each other out. Yeah, um, be allies. Yep. Um, so it is interesting to see how this nascent industry is starting to grow. Connections are starting to be made. Um, yeah, so twenty twenty, it seems that there's year a year of. You're the psychonaut. Yeah, and, and, and psychedelic medicine. And I'd say about um, you know about forty percent of the listed companies here are either RTOing or IPOing yeah. in twenty twenty. Yeah, and only two or three of them are not in Canada. Yeah, like I guess Canada is yet again the place to be for the you know that's right the revolution. Yeah. yeah. So um, so yeah, it, you know that that's all we'll go into for for this article. But you can find it against uh, twenty twenty psychedelic industry. Insights report um, from Reddit, um, authored by Nikita Alexandrov, CTO over at Think Myco. So we thank him for that. It yeah, was it was very an informative. excellent um, piece of uh, information, uh, and we're uh, yeah. Um, oh, and, glad and, that we didn't have to pay for it. And I just actually would like to give a shout out to um, some of my friends out in Toronto for they have uh, the first um, psychedelic PR company. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Alan Aldis. So they're just just doing psychedelics. Just doing psychedelics. Yeah. So um, yeah, this is um, uh, you know a, a, a conglomerate of people from the Toronto scene. Yeah. Uh, Harrison Jordan is there. Yeah. Alana Armstrong, uh, Patrick Connor, um, and I think there might be one or two other people that that might be in the mix there as well. Yeah. But cool. um, you know, congratulations to them. They can they they can take that 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 claim and that flag. Yeah. And say awesome. we're the, we're the first psychedelic yep. PR company. And good, good, good for them. Well, and, and the the landscape, especially when it comes to PR, is going to have to be very well navigated. So I think that it's a it's a timely uh, project to, to to start up for sure. I think it's smart because you know I've seen a couple of different reactions online, but I think it's it's very smart because what's the one thing that a lot of the activists and advocates in the cannabis space have been levying at big LPs? that they're so detached from their industry and mm-hmm. their base that they don't know how to make proper decisions. Yeah. And I think that if you have a, a purely psychedelic company from people who understand the industry and the community and the people, um, you're definitely going to want to have them as a second opinion because we've yeah. seen some, some pretty big calamities uh, from like a social capital perspective in the cannabis yeah. market. You kind of want to avoid that in the psychedelic space. Absolutely. And I think the conversation about psychedelics is going to be a bit more nuanced as well because there was a lot of misinformation about cannabis during the war on drugs, but there was a, a lot of scare 
propaganda about psychedelics during so we have to we have to bring back the whole fear of psychedelics thing back to you know and and start well back to normal and start creating a normalized conversation about it so i think it's a really good it's really good that they're they're thinking ahead and and that pr and that you know pr and that conversation that we have about psychedelics going forward is going to be very important how things are presented is extremely important yeah you know it's how people um, interpret it it's how people how people understand things and you're right it was very powerful that propaganda machine the war on drugs now we need something equal and similar but in showing the the, the pros of psychedelics yeah. um, to the rest of the population I mean like we, we've already drunk the Kool-Aid we're yeah, fine like, I am, you're, I am, you're I am. preaching the yeah. choir but yeah. it's like it's all the normies it's the rest of the, it's that silent majority that doesn't really wade into Twitter politics yeah. that you have to convince and I think that that's also kind of lost in the conversation. Like, you know, we, it's, it's not for us. Yeah. You don't have to convince the people that are already convinced. Yeah. You have to convince everyone else. Exactly. And with cannabis, that was, it was a difficult process. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult with, with psychedelics. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, again, congrats, uh, Alan Elvis on uh, becoming the first PR psychedelics. Yeah. Psychedelics PR company. (laughs) Just talking about the war on drugs. I mean, what we have to remember too, is that the, the war on drugs was so, you know, so pervasive that it still exists as maybe not as, you know, actual, you know, war and drugs propaganda, but the, you know, the memes still exist and that societal understanding of, of psychedelics are, are still largely derived from the war and drugs propaganda machine and the media that kind of like, you know, sandwiches on to the war and drugs propaganda machine and then how, you know, people have been educated over the last 50, 60, 70, well, I guess since the 60s, right? So, yeah. Um, well, well, why is it that people don't want to do psychedelics? Because they think they're going to freak out. They think they're going to jump lose out their of mind. a window, lose you know, their mind, crazy. Because you know, all you need to do with, uh, with these monkey humans is that you just need to give them a, th- a thing to think about that they can fear. Yeah. And then their, their mind will do the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, you don't think about like, um, it's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, you see on the news that if you go to this city, there's a high crime rate. So I'm not going to go to that city because yeah. I don't want to be. Or, or even Vancouver. People are like, I don't live in Vancouver. It's too expensive to live here. Yeah. Well, yeah. I live here. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I live here. Like, you live in any city. Yeah. You're going to pay, you know. But what they don't understand is that the opportunity cost here or the opportunity to, you know, to progress and to make money and all that kind of stuff is higher. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's always like if you want to be afraid of something. Then yeah, I mean you're going to be living somewhere in a small town and and doing your thing and you know like, but you've got to take your risks and yeah, you can't be afraid all the time. So I think I that went down the rabbit hole with that one. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. Uh, blueberry cough. Yeah, yeah, good blueberry um, cough. That's yeah. Right. Um, actually, I tweeted about that. Was, oh, did you? Uh, yeah, I was like just just blueberry cough with a rocket. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> it was a fantastic uh, cultivar. Yeah. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I think that's that's a good round kind of discussion well, about. Should we? Uh, well, I think the uh, overdose on psychedelic war and drugs propaganda machine um, segues into the the those LSD stories that you wanted to talk about. Well, I think we're we're, we're coming down a little bit little bit of uh, lack of time. I've got, okay. I've got oh some yeah stuff. yeah okay fair enough that's too bad we'll have to save that for the next episode then. No 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 for sure there's some yeah. great uh, uh, sort of case studies that we'll go into in a future episode but awesome definitely let's let's save that and. Yeah. Um, Really go through and actually, dig down on that. Actually, we're gonna yeah, we probably have an entire episode to do. Like, I mean, we're we're really focused on the general and the and the capital markets, but you know, the medical potential and you know, so, yeah, starting to tease out some of those specific case studies and 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 actually proving that despite what everyone says that there's no research about cannabis or yeah. sorry about psychedelics, there's actually a a decent amount, a decent body of of research. Um, t- at least to make a podcast of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, what I wanted to talk about today and, and you did too, is just talk about the psychedelic industry yeah. and, and how this is kind of like the elephant in the room. You're starting to see some people talking about it and, um, you know, especially on Twitter or in the, in the media, you're starting to see some people from the cannabis industry jumping in yeah. and that's eliciting a reaction that I've seen on Twitter and social media. Like some people are in favor and, and supporting and kind of grabbing that flag. Yeah. And there's other people that are um, kind of sneering and saying, oh, look at these people getting into the psychedelic space now. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why I think that it's important to actually have the conversation and say, okay, well, 
yeah, it is going to be a new industry. Yeah, there's going to be um, people who are just going to market it and use it for money. But you know, people like you and myself and others who've been benefited should be in this industry. Industry, we should be yeah. um, lending our talents uh, and all the lessons we learned from the, the, the yeah. cannabis space. Just talking about Twitter and, and sort of the conversation. I know you have to go, but we'll, we'll just we can finish off with this. So this is from Colin Bam. Oh yeah, yeah, I see him around. Yeah, hundred percent in favor of legalizing psilocybin, but let's not pretend mushrooms are like just like cannabis. Do not underestimate this plant medicine. It can take you to mental places you never knew existed. The depths of hell and the heights of heaven. A bit of caution wouldn't kill us. I, I agree with him. I think that going forward, we are gonna have to be a bit cautious. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just what he was talking about, like not taking, just taking too much or, or, you know, getting it out to the general public, but also, you know, how we approach it from the capital market and the investing side and how we build the businesses around it. I think that tweet, you know, captures the fact that yes, we do need to be cautious about it and learn the lessons that we did from cannabis and we've got tons of more lessons to learn. Yes. Yeah. And as, as you know, serial entrepreneurs, as both of us are, we're always looking for the next thing that we're excited about and yeah. passionate about to lend our talents and our expertise. Yeah. And um, yeah, we're looking forward to uh, doing that with psychedelics. For sure. And cool. then space. And then space. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I hope you really enjoyed listening to us uh, kind of go back and forth about our thoughts and bring you up to date on some of the things that we found in, in this transition to the psychedelic space. Indeed. Um, let us know your thoughts. Um, we always like to have positive critiques yep. and uh, communications on um, what you thought about what we're bringing to you. And is this interesting? Is it not interesting? Um, do you have counterpoints to some of the things that we said? Yep. Um, yeah, please do let us know. We want to generate a conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we will talk to you soon. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Bye.